I had an uncle named Francis. He was known for his tears every time he spoke. It doesn't matter what in the world we are talking about, he gets so excited and he cried. Now it was funny as a child no matter what he what he said or when he hugged or when he hugged us and he cried. When he loved us he cried, when he smiled at us he cried, he was cry baby. I think sometimes I have some of those gifts of crying crying as I because and I feel embarrassed about the crying because I think of my uncle who cried no matter what it is good or bad or nice or wonderful or painful he cried now so here is the weeping uh, weeping willow of my family I think of Jeremiah the prophet Jeremiah And I want to say prophet Jeremiah is something like my uncle. He is the weeping willow, the weeping prophet of the scripture. He of course he's called the weeping prophet. It is this trait of I want to say the weeping prophet there is a reason for it because of the deep empathy that he had that when we look into the life of Jeremiah that's what that's what we find. It this trait of deep sympathy, his ability to cry with what he is the people that he is with for those who are continuously chastised and that's what makes jeremiah different from other people jeremiah was a great prophet when god called him when when jeremiah was called you know sixfold task was given to him the the major thing that was told to him is this to pluck up and pull down to destroy and to overthrow and to build and to plant so jeremiah had a call and that call was not easy and the call was to actually pluck up and pull down to destroy and to overthrow and to build and to plant well he had a tough task ahead and it was hard and painful he knew what he was called to and that was not easy he knew what it causes how it can hurt and be painful and difficult it will be for people to go through that experience that he was called to do he knew the sufferings of the people around him and he felt deep pain within him this is a gift that i pray we all should have i pray for it that to have this deep empathy because we when god calls us this is what the lord calls us to do just like jeremiah to pluck up and to pull down to destroy and to overthrow to build and to plant you know there is a beautiful ending to the the mission that the lord gives to jeremiah that is to pluck up and pull down to destroy and to overthrow but the my favorite is after you doing all of that you have to build and to plant he had a tough job and we will have a tough job when we are called to so that helped him understand the sufferings of the people around him he felt deep pain within him this is a gift therefore i pray that we all have the deep empathy from what we are called to do even if it gets makes us cry all the time we won't be alone in it we will have a prophet to join with us but it is worth crying when we understand the struggles of people now jeremiah was a child of a priest jeremiah was a son of hilkiah one of the priest of anathoth in the territory of benjamin ha 
I wonder if all the pastor's kids would have the same gift of sympathy because they get to hear the sufferings and struggles uh, that their parents, their father or their mother gets to witness in their lives. Of course, they're going to share these things with their children, but with one stipulation, these things that they hear cannot be repeated, cannot be laughed at. And so the children will get to hear part of some of the things a pastor is going through. There is no doubt about that. It may not be to the extent or sharing the confidential elements with them. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the pain and the struggle and the suffering and the things that a pastor listens to in understanding the other people. There is a piece of that he or she is going to bring home and the children and the family is going to experience that. Therefore, this pastor's kid uh, the, the pastor Hilkiah's son, Jeremiah, is experiencing some of the struggles and pains and difficulties and the way God calls people and how God we are supposed to respond to God's call. All of this is becoming part of the experience of Jeremiah. The ability to cry with those who cry and laugh with those who laugh, that becomes part of Jeremiah's everyday life. Because we are all called to that experience in spirituality. Jeremiah lived and served God's people during the time of Josiah the reformer, a great king, and Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim was a tyrant, and Zedekiah, a puppet. Now, so Jeremiah, when you look into the life of Jeremiah, not only did he have this great sympathy, understanding, and call to respond to, he also had to put up with this good, bad, and a tyrant, not that great of a king, of kings around him. The ability to cry with those who cry and laugh with those who cry, you know, all of that came from his own experience of being with people of both opposite extremes. He was a prophet during the, during the difficult time of Judah's life, the life of the people of Israel. Right up to the time when God called or when, you know, the people of Israel was deported to Babylon. Jeremiah himself was an exile in Egypt or to Egypt where he died. But then he understands the pain and the struggles of the people of Israel. And now you know where he got his tears from, how he became the weeping willow of the Bible. He knew what the suffering of the people looks like and feels like and he was willing to embrace it and he was willing to respond to it no matter what he was called to do at the end of the day to build and to plant to actually transform to bring about God's creative power into the world is what is called even though to pull down to destroy all of that is part of it still at the end of the day all that he did was to build up so Jeremiah got the call from God he knew how wonderful when God is with him Jeremiah gets a call from God and God tells him, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nation. Now, this is a piece that is very controversial. In today's world, when we listen to that word, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Because this Peace, this scripture part is taken by people who wanted to talk about pro-life and people who do not want to talk about pro-life. You know, so pro-choice and pro-life is not my intent here to, in conversation. I simply want to bring in something that the Lord had decided about you before you were born. And I think we are all, we are all capable of. We can in our thought process understand whether you were formed before or after or when 
did God plant you in your mother's womb? The Lord God tried to convince Jeremiah that fact, that God is the God of life before the foundation of the world, by calling him in spite of the fact that he may doubt about what he's capable of doing, God wanted to convince him. God, the Lord was trying to convince him that he, God is a God of life. Therefore, be, you know, he better not worry about what is in this world because God has it in control. Jeremiah had biological parents, of course, but God himself fashioned him. God knit him together in his mother's womb. When your children ask the question, where did the babies come from? What do you say? Do you say that you got him from the wild or from the mall or from the shop? I believe we all need to tell our children, you know, you came from God. Because when we look at this scripture, before I formed you in the womb, before you became a little fetus in your mother's womb, you were actually planned and thought of and was in the mind of God. And God had actually chosen you, set you apart. So, do you say to your child that your child that you have come from God? Maybe it's a good thing to say. It's a good theology. There is good logic to it. There is good science behind it. The Lord of Life uses the natural process he designed to plant human life in the womb. That's number one piece we need to remember. God is a God of life. And in spite of the fears and anxieties Jeremiah has, the Lord is trying to make him understand that he is a God of life. Secondly, a person is a human being before the birth. Before someone's birth, a person is a human being. At conception, during birth, and through the rest of it. Before you were formed in the womb of a mother, you were knit together. So your personality, who you are, was already put together before you were in your mother's womb. Birth is not our beginning, that's what it says. That's what we, we can conclude in here, that birth is not your beginning. We were formed before birth. We only look at the shape we were formed to be. We took the shape we were formed to be before we were born. We evolved into the shape we were meant to be. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, how you look like, act like, think like, talk like, what you, your face is going to look like. I knew all of that before and then you took shape. Your identity came actually much much, much before you were ever born. So that's the second point the Lord is trying to convince Jeremiah of. Jeremiah, the, I am the God of life and I have formed you, given you some identity before you could ever, ever imagine. I understand your anxieties and your fears. And third says, no matter what, we do not choose God first. God chooses us. That's the best part of it. So, in our fears and anxieties, when God calls us to pull down, uh, to destroy, we need to remember it is God who has chosen us and given us a reason to follow him and he finds a reason why he has called us. God chooses us first. What simply means is that we have been set apart, made a part of divine dream before we ever imagined what we would look like. Before we were ever imagined by our parents, God dreamed about us, thought about us, planned about us, knit together, and then gave us an identity. In other words, Eugene Peterson is a great theologian, and this is what he would say. My identity does not begin when I begin to understand myself. There is something previous to what I think about myself, and it is what God thinks of me. That means that everything I think and feel is by nature a response. And the one to whom I respond is God. 
I never speak the first word. I never make the first move. I really like that thought. I never make the first move. I never speak the first word. I only respond. I do not react. I do not have a preemptive strike here to talk to the Lord what he needs to do in my life. I do not tell him how I'm supposed to live my life. I'm simply going to listen because when God has chosen, when God knit me together, he has already known what I'm going to do, what I could do better. And so if I could just listen, probably I will actually do it because when I listen, I will understand things better. Now, when we look at the scriptures, this is what we find that it is not just Jeremiah that did that. I promise you. It's hard to say yes to God. It is hard to follow the path that God has stretched in front of us. We scream and fight at every juncture of it. That's human nature. We are not alone in this story. If you look into the story of Isaiah, that's exactly what he did. He didn't want to hear the call. He didn't want to listen to what God has called him to do. He had all kinds of excuses. Woe is me. I'm lost and I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among the people of unclean lips. So Lord, so I cannot speak right. I am a sinner. There is no way in the world I can actually speak the, for you who is the Holy of Holies. How in the world can I represent God who is more powerful than I can ever imagine in the wildest dreams? And God said, forget that Isaiah. I know how to touch your lips and tongue and make it clean. And we have solved that problem. It's not something that you need to worry about. So that's Isaiah's what, he, what Isaiah hears from God. Now let's listen to what Moses had when he was called. Of course he had his own drama to throw in front of God and say, you know what, there is no way under the sun I'm going to do. And Moses says, oh my Lord, I've never been eloquent. There is no way in the world I am going to stand in front of a king, an emperor and tell them what to do. Neither in the past nor even now that you have spoken to your servant. But now I am slow of speech and I'm slow of tongue. I am a stammerer. There is no way I have the courage to stand in front and be a public figure. And God said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard all of these before. Get going. I'm sending you anyway. Pick up the stick and keep walking. Your excuse, your excuse is not good enough. Your excuse is not good enough. You know, when you listen to the stories of Isaiah and Moses and Jeremiah and Jonah and Peter and James and John and all these stories of these people who are called by God and they have every reason under the sun, excuses after excuses. There is a, uh, in the, this wonderful movie, The Fellowship of the Ring, in his novel, in The Fellowship of the Ring, of course you see that in the movie as well, Hobbit named Frodo has been chosen to make a long and dangerous quest to destroy the one ring of power. So Frodo is chosen to do that. And so he is not happy with the choice that has been made. So he says, I'm not made for this perilous quest. What are you talking about? I'm not made for this perilous quest. I wish I had never seen the ring. Why did it come to me? Why was I chosen? That's right. Why was I chosen? Why did it come to me? I'm not made for this trip that you are planning for me. And the, and the answer he gets, you know, such questions cannot be answered. 
You may be sure that it was not for any merit that others do not possess, nor for power or wisdom at any rate. But you have been chosen and you must, therefore, use such strength and heart and wits as you have. That's right. You must, you have been chosen. And it's not because of any power or wisdom. But you have been chosen and you must therefore use such strength and heart and wits as you have. It's been given to you. Like it or not, believe it or not, I formed you before you were born. I knit you together before you were in your mother's womb. And I have chosen you, set you apart, called you, put a path in front of you and ask you to go. And then with all of that plan in my heart, in my mind, me, the Lord God, has planted you in your mother's womb. And so you have every potential. Your identity comes from me. And I know exactly what I'm doing. All you need to do is to get going. In other words, God is not discouraged on the basis of your youthfulness or your inexperience. God is not going to back out because of your objections. Paul tried it. So did Peter. So did Moses. And so did Jeremiah and Isaiah and Jonah and the prophets one after after another. They all tried and so did everyone else in town. God is not put out by your gifts or your abilities or lack thereof. God is not getting impressed by everything that you can do or you cannot do. God is not limited by human weaknesses. God is not stopped by human powers or natural laws. God remains above all of those things that are hurdles in front of us. All the hoops that we think we need to jump through, God is beyond all of that. And if we have to jump through the hoops and we have to climb over the hurdles, then the Lord says, well, you have the potential because I carved you, I knit you together with everything possible, like a seed that is sprouting out from the ground that has got the tree in it and the fruits and the flowers. So are you. Everything is within you. When God calls someone to do the job, God gives him or her all the gifts needed to get the job done. With God's calling comes God's gifting. If God is calling you, God is going to equip you and develop an absolute sense of empathy and make you the next weeping willow of the Bible that needs to be written beyond you, generations after you. In the end, all I'm trying to say is this. God has a plan for you and you start cooperating, it'll be better. Just go with the flow. Cry a little bit and stop whining, please. Have some good wine in the process and celebrate life. Even if you cry, even if you cry when you're happy or sad or upset or worried, be like Prophet Jeremiah. A weeping man, because he could empathize with human suffering, he could hear God's calling. He made every experience that he had to develop that into that empathy, that understanding, that trust that God has called you, knit you together, put you together, put up, uh, there is in front of you a path, and therefore your identity is before you can even imagine. God has equipped Jeremiah to be an, a great, great prophet. And so will God equip you. God, uh, God had already planned you 
and god has looked into who you can be what you are in spite of all the hurdles and hoops that you have to get through and jump through still even in the midst of it god has a new beginning and therefore believe in this one thing your identity has come to you before you even have has realized you have realized what that is your identity is given to you by god when he put you together all you and i need to do is to claim it and say we are still unworthy servants but we are going to listen to you oh lord in spite of the fact that we are not able to do the best you have called us to do we will try our best to do what you have called us to do like jeremiah like isaiah like moses like paul like jonah like all the men and the women of the scriptures and history who were afraid to respond to god's call when they did their identity became clear to them and to the rest of the world and that's a beauty when we respond to god 